Okay, we are back with Crossing the Axis, the biz side of video production. I am Max Kaiser, the uh, CEO and founder of Pipeline, the all-in-one solution to managing your video production projects in the cloud. I am joined by my partner in crime, Jake Rorda. Hey, I'm Jake. <laughs> all right. Uh, we basically create pipeline in order to help people do better with their video production company on the business side of things, hopefully allowing you to also be more successful with the creative side of things and everything you want your company to be. Um, we thought an interesting thing to add to that would be this podcast, wherein we meet with other folks or just talk amongst ourselves about things that we think you could do, or you might be able to learn from your peers in making your production company more successful financially, more successful creatively. That's why we created this. Um, it's been pretty successful. We're, we're, this will be our 11th podcast, and we've actually had over 500 downloads of the podcast which has been great. In each one of these podcasts, I feel like we've learned something really terrific from uh, the podcast. And I thought it would be good on the advent of our 11th podcast to just recap quickly all 10 of those podcasts and what was like the most important thing from each one that we could share with you. So you can think of this podcast as sort of a greatest hits. Um, but if you don't have time to go and listen to each podcast, I also think you will get from this the key things you needed to get from our first 10 podcasts to sort of get you up to date. Let's kick it off with our first one, the hiring your first salesperson. What did we learn from that one? This is one Jake and I did together. Uh, the number one thing we learned from this one is don't call them a salesperson. <laughs> I think this pretty much summed up the entirety of that podcast. Definitely. That and also they really have to have a love of video and a problem solving mindset. It's sales for video is not like sales for any other thing where they somebody sees the value in it right away. A printer, a computer those things people see the value in video. You've got to kind of walk them through that process of how that video is going to help their business. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. It takes a very special kind of person. And I learned the hard way that uh, hiring sales pros uh, is just was not successful. Hiring people that loved video were great at talking to people, um, had a sort of producer mindset. These were the folks that turned into really good salespeople. So that that was really the import of that first podcast. You can listen to it to really hear the details of it, or you can read about it. We also have a transcript of it at our website, videopipeline.io under resources. So you can also read it there if you choose. But that was really the critical part is a salesperson for video production is a very different animal from a salesperson for practically any other industry. So don't imagine that you're going to go out there and hire or put even your listing out saying, I'm looking for a salesperson. You probably really just want a, a video person that maybe is not that technical, uh, maybe a director or producer who really a producer might be the natural person to move into the, into the role. If that is someone that uh, you know, that loves video and loves talking to people. Um, that's the kind of folks that people are going to want to meet with and it's going to be successful in selling your projects. I like it. I like it. So speaking of sales, yep. let's talk about our season of sales podcast. Which season is another... of sales was number two. Again, another one with Jake and I. 
Uh, the number one that I see taking away from this is know your client's calendar. Ah, definitely. Yeah, you want to hit them with ideas when they need them. And it starts with their fiscal calendar. When is their year end? Because that's when they start planning their marketing calendar for the next year. Some, all companies have a different fiscal year end. You know, most have it at the turn of the year, um, but you never know. So just knowing that, um, I always found it really successful to try to get in with them a few months before the end of their fiscal year to get on the marketing calendar for the next year. Maybe we had just talked about some ideas broadly. Um, just if, if you're on that marketing uh, calendar, if you're on the budget, I should really say, if you're on the budget for the next year, it's amazing how much more money you can get for your project and how much more chance of getting that project produced you will have. Definitely. And also their events calendar, wouldn't you say? Knowing a corporation's <laughs> either marketing events or in-person conference type events. Absolutely. And for um, nonprofits, that also looks like knowing their gala events calendar. Well, yes. If it's a nonprofit, then knowing the gala event calendar is critical. I mean, obviously knowing when their event usually is, keep that on your calendar. You know, this is, we're talking about if you're doing a video for a gala auction uh, fundraiser type thing, they usually do them annually, or at least they did before the pandemic. Um, and you can generally, <clears throat> if you're you know, one of the great things about nonprofit work was always that we found that if they liked you, they stuck with you and they keep coming back. But it was important to call them, say they had the festival or I'm sorry, the auction in like February. You really wanted to call them in September, the year prior and get their attention and say, we got to start working on this now because sometimes they're not on top of it. And honestly, nine times out of 10, we would get the job just from doing that. So knowing that calendar and not being afraid to uh, say, I know your calendar. I've got some ideas uh, to give you. People in marketing love ideas. They just love ideas. It makes you seem like a partner and not a vendor. Uh, so don't be afraid to hit them with the knowledge of their calendar and to give, be generous and give them some ideas. Nice. Nice. So now I have the sale. How do I manage that relationship? And we talked about this in our managing client relationships. It was actually you and Element Studio. I wasn't yeah, on this one. Absolutely. This was a great one. This is our first one where we had guests come on and the guests were just uh, fantastic. Um, Steve and Alex from Element Studio in North Carolina. These guys are doing about one and a half million a year and they have a big studio down there. Check out their website, Element Studio. Um, and, and you'll see a, a great studio. They want to talk about managing client relationships. I could not be more happy to talk about that. Basically, it came down to the thing we kept repeating was put it in the statement of work. Make sure it gets in that statement of work. Whatever it is, you want to have a good relationship. It all starts and ends with the statement of work. Is that really about setting those expectations? And Absolutely. It's about good fences make good neighbors. It's about just having things clearly delineated. Um, it really helps when the client has said, well, let's do it for a little less and our team will take on a lot of it. You want to detail exactly what they're going to do so you can hold them accountable. Um, it's just all about, you know, the other thing that Steve and Alex talked about was just communication. And this is communication. The SOW is a written uh, form of communication that gets it all down. Nice. Um, and it, yeah, it just, it, it, it takes a little extra time. It doesn't, if you're using our software, cause we have <laughs> built in contracts, but uh, it takes a little extra time to get one written out and fleshed out for your client, but it makes 
all the difference in the world. It's also a great way to control scope creep. If you put in there, you know, uh, this includes X number of hours of editing or X number of reviews. If you go over, it's going to be this price. It just, it keeps the client from ever being surprised or give, having the ability to say, I'm surprised. Um, so the SOW is just critical and, and that helps to form the client relationship. Nice. They also... So they also um, mentioned, I love this. This was just a little aside, but they said, you know, uh, always make the first 30 minutes for the client on set fabulous. And I thought that was like a really good thing to say. And, you know, whatever that might mean, like shoot an interesting shot first. Ah. <laughs> and I thought that's kind of a cool idea. Honestly, the clients that I've had on set over the years are really interested for about the first hour. And then they were either gone or just on their phone in the back of the room and kind of got bored with what we were doing. So he's right. They're, they're both right that it's fun and it makes them feel like they're getting their money's worth if they have a good time on set for the first half an hour or hour or so. So do, if you can, obviously do kind of program your shoot day in such a way that you give them a little something special to open the day with. I like that. And I really enjoyed listening to that one. Yeah. So I have our next podcast. We kind of went back into sales just a yep. little bit yeah, yeah. to talk about catching those low hanging fruit items. I love this one. Uh, Jen O'Brien is just great at, uh, she's a producer that has done tons of work with the usual suspects up here in the Pacific Northwest, Microsoft, Amazon, and so forth. She's just a straight shooter and she doesn't waste any time. She's helped companies um, <clears throat> grow past the $2 million mark, which is really hard to do in my experience mm -hmm. since I never did it. Um, the, her, she had a lot of great info, some of which we covered already, but the one thing that I really took away from it was get a referral from every job. So if mm. you've worked hard and you've done a good job for your client, push them for that referral at the end. Don't, don't hesitate to do that. Don't forget to do that. I, I just loved it. And, and then the other thing that surprised me was I tended to think of a referral as like referring me to like another company. Her idea of a referral was much more within the organization that you're shooting with. And I thought, yeah, this definitely is true. It has worked for me and our company um, for sure. Uh, so it, it's sort of the land and expand idea that you you make a video for, you know, the marketing department to begin with, but, you know, hey, could you refer me over maybe your HR department? Everyone needs an HR video these days because no one's got enough employees. Um, that that kind of thing was what she was talking about. And and she's she's absolutely right. You can increase your business, you know, three or fourfold by by doing that and expanding out and it's low hanging fruit. It's right there. You've already got the end. You've already proven yourself. Heck, you've already got a job uh, order number with the company. You've got some of the paperwork filled out. It just makes life a lot easier to do this land and expand idea. Um, so go back and listen to that one. If that sounds interesting to you with Jen O'Brien, because she really, um, she really hit the nail on the head with that. And then I also like that she took that further and said, don't be afraid of going to the client that you just finished a video for and saying, what other things can I make for you that are sort of simple that we might be able to use elements from this fancier shoot in, whether or not it's shooting up a bunch more talking heads to go along with this, some explainer videos to go along with this, some animated uh, videos to go along with this um, that, you know, might 
they may not be huge ticket items, but they can really add up. And it shows the client that you're looking at their whole picture. And I, I got to say, again, that is something that truly worked for us all the time in terms of just, you know, boosting that bottom line and everything adds up. That's really smart. The, yeah. Talk about a warm introduction. You're literally across the hall from that other person that you're being referred to. Yep. And that's going to go a long way and and getting the HR department sign off for any other department that uh, it yeah. just is a great podcast. Yeah. Very nice. So let's, then we started talking about systems and yeah. what to do in your company. Once you've got these jobs and <laughs> once you've made all these sales, now you're going to actually need some systems to do the work. Yep. And systems is really something, you know, this podcast is aimed at folks that have been in the business for a little bit, uh, probably have a few employees. You know, we think of it as being sort of your, you know, between the, maybe you're around the 300,000, but you're on your way up. You want to get to a million, want to get to a million and a half in revenues. Um, and this is where this starts to become critical uh, is that you, you don't want to recreate the wheel on every job. You need to start building some systems into your company. Um, and, and what does that look like? How does that work? What is a system? This is what Jake and I talked about uh, a lot. Um, Obviously, software like our software pipeline can be very helpful in sort of giving you those systems to work with, um, which is what we very much are trying to do with our software. But you can start with even more simple so uh, uh, systems. The system that I would uh, that that we wound up talking about a lot as a starter system was a gear management system, and simply uh, how much time is wasted on shoots, real professional shoots too, not amateur when a piece of gear does not make it from the studio to the location. Mm -hmm. And that's it, a, it, yeah, that's a big, big no, no. And it'll ruin your whole day. It ruins your day. It can take hours off your day. It can even shut down a whole sheet for the day. So how do you make sure that that never happens? And it's by systematizing. It's by making lists of the gear having people check the gear off one by one, put their hand on the gear and sign off on it. We get more in depth in it. Um, and we actually uh, share some uh, system documents for you to use. Um, uh, if you go back and look at that podcast on systems, but honestly, you will find it is all the difference in allowing you to start operating as a real professional unit. And if you're not doing systems, you know, I'd ask you, would you ride in a plane where they're not doing checklists before they take off. Yeah. Uh, I, I would rather not personally, um, you know, and, and honestly, our work is, while the stakes aren't quite as high, the crashes can really hurt when you don't do those checklists. So I know it sounds simple, and this is honestly just the beginning of systems, but if you're questioning, would systems help me? I know that you probably have had the mistake of leaving a mounting plate behind at some point. I would recommend you just try this first system and see what a difference it makes within your organization. It's an easy sell to your crew. They'll appreciate it. Um, you, you do have to do some documentation along with it and you do have to stick with it. But I honestly think you'll start to see, oh, geez, systems can be really helpful. They don't inhibit creativity or anything like that. But that's a great place to start is yep. just a gear system. The, the key there is, is really that systems aren't a intimidating no. big implementation. It's right. start small with a couple very small systems. And like you said on that podcast, and like you said, just now, it's all about not recreating the wheel on every project. You're yeah, starting you, with some 
with the wheel already in motion. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be a value to your years of experience and your group's years of experience. And that's borne out in the systems as you document and follow them. Yep. So then we, we really talked a lot about sales and operations. Yep. Then we really started to talk about what I think a lot of people choose to listen to and choose to hear more. And that is creative and, and how to build a creative first video production company. Yeah. And this was with Tony Fulgham from uh, All's Well in Seattle. These folks have done work with huge brands like Nokia, Microsoft, uh, all, all kinds of different um, great big brands. And Tony is first and foremost, really a writer, um, but then a Prodco owner after that. But they have it all as well managed to really make their centerpiece, their calling card, their their creativity, their level of creativity that they bring to all the projects. And I'd say what I took away from Tony's was just, I'm mean, this is going to sound sort of basic, but take your creativity seriously. Hmm. Okay. And, and part of taking anything seriously, if you're a serious basketball player, you practice, you practice mm -hmm. shooting. And that's the same for if you're serious about your creative, you and your team need to practice your creative. And the way that Tony's team does this is through what they call experiments. And these are in-house, very simple productions that they create to get everybody thinking creatively, get everybody thinking about what it takes to bring an idea to the screen in a simple, short fashion. And then the incredible upshot beyond all the value of just doing this practice is they actually often turn out into nice little vignettes that they can show the client as ideas for them to, to perhaps use in their advertising campaigns. Very nice. Very yeah, nice. it's a win-win all the way around. Um, Tony also talked about, you know, the need to, uh, when you're pitching your creative to make sure that they understand that the client understands that this is where we are today, but obviously this is going to change a lot. He made a big point of not trying to pitch like a, an A to Z creative package in your first meeting with a client, because that will often sort of make the client feel like they're not going to be able to be a part of it. And I've, I definitely have had this experience before. You really want to kind of dance on that line of saying, yeah, we have some ideas and maybe giving them a little look under the kimono, but at the same time, making sure that you don't give it all away in that first meeting. Um, and also that you're willing to sort of think about how you're going to integrate their ideas into the creative for that project. Um, and then lastly, I mean, he said, get paid for it get paid for your creative. And this I love, because I remember when we finally started getting paid for our creative at Handcrank and it was, it was all the difference. It just felt so good. And we never, well, occasionally we got paid pretty darn well um, for it, but just you get started by getting paid anything. I mean, honestly, if you just put a hundred dollar line item on the, on your bill for, you know, doing creative work, you're getting paid for creative and you're going down the right road. And that makes the client take you seriously as a creative entity, not just a camera holder and a light grabber. I really liked when you guys talked about that and getting yep. paid for your creative. That was, that's huge. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your, our next podcast, yep. the one you talked with Soulcraft and, yep. and expanding your career with video production. Yeah. So um, this was with Aaron Strait and Aaron has really carved out a niche for his company in the sort of social justice um, world of uh, production, uh, meaning that his videos 
tend to have something to do with quote unquote, making the world a better place. Um, he works a lot with nonprofits. He makes a lot of his own films um, in it, that come out of a personal sense of, of social justice. And, and he was able to, what I think was interesting about um, Aaron and maybe the reason why he got so many, he, he won the prize for the most, uh, downloads for any episode. Now that may be because he has the most friends on social, <laughs> but that also speaks to something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it also may be because he exemplified a career path where he was able to sort of figure it out as he went and keep doubling down on what he liked out of the business. So obviously you hang your shingle out to be a video production person and you get all kinds of folks coming in wanting to make videos. When you start feeling like there's a certain set of those types of videos that you have a true affinity for, he really showed the value of what I called following that thread, Um, following that thread and just keeping on with those particular clients that you really enjoy working with, keeping on with the particular um, areas of of interest that that client represents. Um, So really, he truly has been able to open up so many doors by just following along with his interest in social justice and with making the world a better place through his video productions that it has opened up a lot of clients, but at the same time, it's defined his company. So now when you're thinking of, I've got a video for a nonprofit I'd like to do, I think Soulcraft would be the right people to do this because they've started to define themselves in the niche. In other words, there's a lot of different video companies out there. It is pretty important to try to give yourself an angle. I really like that. And you, yeah. you can you can do do well by doing good. That and was, that's very true for, yeah. for him. Absolutely. That's awesome. So yeah. next you talked with Shane and, yep. and you really talked about communication again. Well, yeah, Shane Dillon. So Shane Dillon runs uh, the biggest, uh, fanciest post house in Seattle called Light Press. You can look it up on lightpress.tv. And he, they do not only, you know, high-end uh, regional spots, they also do national spots. They also do, you know, Netflix episodes. They also do uh, movies. When I say do, I'm talking about the color, the final finishing, sometimes some of the effects, the stuff you wouldn't know are there, the blurrings, the the removals, that kind of stuff. But Shane's been around for a long time. He actually didn't mention it, but he used to be a personal editor for Robert Rodriguez um, back in the day out in Austin. Um, Before that, he was one of the original team members at Quantel. Um, Shane has really been around, and I thought it would be so interesting to talk to Shane. Running a post house, you see all the prodcos come through, and you see all the agencies come through, and you see where they meet with one another. And I thought it would be interesting to hear from Shane what he feels like makes the difference between the good and the great prodcos that come through. Mm-hmm. And what is that? <laughs> it, it was it was communication and no big surprise. It was just about communication. And partly it's, you know, what they were talking about um, at Element Studio, communicating between the client and the Prodco. But it was also about intercommunications within the Prodco itself, between the directors and the editors, um, between the directors, the editors and the people at Light Press. But it was about constantly communicating constantly over-communicating the idea that what it's like to really listen when you're being creative, as opposed to just nodding your head and keeping pushing your agenda. 
Um, he just really found that the companies that really did a good job listening, really did a good job uh, communicating what they're going to be doing, what steps they were on in the post process. Those were the companies that were able to control scope creep and that kept coming back with the great clients again and again. So I, it, it is a really interesting podcast to listen to, to give you an idea of, you know, what, what am I doing with my company that may not be uh, all, you know, may not be everything I can be doing. In other words, I think we can get so focused on making a beautiful picture that we forget that that's only a part of what we do uh, or making even an incredibly creative video. That's not going to matter if the client didn't feel like what they needed to get across did not get across, whether or not that was what they were pitching or their creative idea or what have you. Uh, you, you that's all part of communication. And that was really where Shane was going with that. It was, it was pretty awesome. That's so important. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys talked about that. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, not just between you and the other companies you're working with, but also internal to your team Absolutely. and just everybody communicating on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Next, we talked with Blake and we talked a lot about scaling. Yep. And that was a really important one. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. Blake is so interesting because, you know, most of us have one office, maybe two. But here's a guy, and, he, and I thought their company was probably bigger than it was, but here, here's a company that hasn't quite even, uh, you know, breached a million yet. Uh, and they already have, how many offices was it? It's like 10, I think 10. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 10 offices. So obviously he's taking, obviously a lot of these people don't have bricks and mortar offices. They're just different sort of satellites from his organization. They all have their own gear and so forth, but he's created a network really of production companies that sort of work under his umbrella. And what I've really learned from, um, what I really learned from Blake was more the idea that to grow in our business, you have to be willing to think outside the box. And for him, networking was one of the ways that he thought outside the box. Another way was the way he marketed himself via uh, search engine optimization, SEO. And that, I can certainly attest to that made hand crank when we, uh, you know, got good SEO. It suddenly was like just the, the, uh, the leads pouring in. Um, but it does take some time, does take some effort, and it does take some thinking outside of the box about how you market yourself and who you are. But he he did that as well with this network of companies. And he's even doing it further as he brings something called shoots.video to market, um, what, which is even a broader network to offer people um, in our business uh, to be able to maximize their search presence. Uh, and it's, 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 it's a software that he's offering to help companies get better listings in their areas via shoot.video. It's really clever. It's, it's outside of video production a little bit, but it's, it's another way for him to skin the cat, to, to make the, the money that he wants to make through production. Um, and again, just really clever person constantly thinking outside of the box about what needs to be done to be successful in our business, because I can't state enough. There are no rules. There are no rules. There are no rules. You just do, you try and you see if it works and then you keep doing it or you stop doing it. I really liked listening to him talk in this yeah. one and, and how he's figured out not only how to scale yep. geographically, yep. but do it very lean. He doesn't, like you said, he doesn't do it so much with physical brick and mortar offices. He doesn't have a huge overhead that he's worrying about. No. He's doing it via SEO and growing and creating those satellite um, 
satellite yeah. offices. Yeah. And you know, another thing I really liked about them, and actually I'll say this about everyone we had on the podcast was their transparency. And uh, I think in our business, that's something that we all could learn from. I really believe that too often we're hyper-competitive with people in our local market and that causes us to be a little closed off from one another when in fact we need each other quite a bit. We need to learn. That's what this podcast is all about, is trying to learn from each other. But it's a little easier when you don't know who these people are or they're sort of halfway across the country or entirely across the country, as the case with Elements. Um, people seem more willing to share. Blake was truly willing to share everything, share his numbers, share his way of doing things. I just thought it was incredible. And I just, I want to thank him and all the folks that we had on who kind of talked very candidly about what had been successful for them. It's not secrets that someone's going to take from you and keep you from being able to keep doing. That's not what's going to happen here. It's just folks sharing things that we could all learn from. And I just, I just thought that was great. He was so, he was so wide open about how he's doing things really. Helpful. You're right. Everybody, everybody has been very open and, and shared yeah. a lot of very cool tips. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then the most recent one, my favorite, I don't know if everybody <laughs> else's, but my favorite. It's doing uh, okay on the, on the downloads. It's doing oh, okay. that's good. That's good. It was all about profit and how to make and why to make a profit in video production. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and we this, yeah, go ahead, Jake. And we talked a lot in this one, and and I talked a lot in this one, and <laughs> <laughs> we it really boils down to profit is not a dirty word, uh, it's not a bad thing, it's what you need to keep the lights on and keep growing and keep investing in your company and keep buying gear. Yeah, and and it's not, and that's it. And profit is not what you take home. I think that uh, there's, yep. there's there, that if we were to leave you with one thing on that one, it's there's a difference between what you take home and what your company's profit is. And until you separate those two things, you don't actually have profit. You just have what you're taking home. Absolutely. You need to pay yourself and then you need to have a profit after yeah. that. Profit yep. gets sort of thrown around and, and then you also have net profit and gross profit, which if you want to get down to what those are all about go watch the, go listen to the podcast, or again, you can read it online at videopipeline.io under our resources. You can I've transcribe that one. Um, honestly, it, it's just critical that these differences are understood and that you get that the company itself needs some money left over. We threw out 10% pre-tax um, to be able to grow, something to grow on every year. Yep. And, and to be able to do spec work and it, it, yeah. take time off to do your own creative thing. Absolutely. You that profit. Just yep. gives you that, the reserves for when a pandemic strikes. I mean, it's whatever it might be. It's just critical to have that extra space of money in your company that you have to plan for. And that's what we really, that's what Jake and I broke down with. How can you plan for this? How can you make sure it's truly properly in each one of your budgets that's what's in there. And obviously it, we've developed our software video pipeline to help you easily make sure that you're putting the right numbers in because our software is, is really tuned towards profit because we know that that's what you need. Absolutely. Well, we covered a lot of things in the podcast. Wow. That was I didn't realize two months. And uh, like I said, we've had over 500 downloads and we've gotten a lot of uh, folks saying how much they've enjoyed it. We have some great 
ones lined up for the next couple of weeks. If you know anyone that might fit the bill as a production company owner or production company producer who might want to speak on our podcast or be be an interview, uh, please have them reach out to Jake or I via, you can just go through the contact page on our uh, videopipeline.io and we would love to meet with them. But otherwise, we hope these tips have been helpful. Yeah. And remember that you can not only listen to the podcast, but also read some of the, some, if not all of the transcripts are online, right, Max? Uh, yeah, probably about half of them. I'm okay. getting them up slowly. They take forever to do, but I am getting them in the, in there. So you can just read them. Sometimes that's a little easier if you're trying to take notes or what have you, but we hope you've enjoyed the podcast. If you want to leave a review for us, that would be fantastic. And whatever software you're listening to us, that would really help us. But otherwise we just enjoy that you keep on coming back and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Do, 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 do.